Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God on this Friday. August the 12th, 2022, and you have survived it. You made it through all the way to today. And you've just got, I don't know, a couple of hours anyway before you get to enjoy your weekend. Praise be to Jesus. It's going to be a great weekend. Uh, I am so looking forward to having the weekend, uh, which will be probably filled with honeydews and other kinds of uh, Uber ride-like things for my children. But nonetheless... I'm looking forward to it. It's been a rough, it was a rough light night last night. It's a rough morning this morning. Uh, but we are going to persevere, praise be to God. We are going to cover some interesting stories today. In fact, uh, the Nicaragua story is a, is one that's not getting enough attention in the news. It's amazing. The uh, government has arrested a bishop, put him under house arrest with 10 other people. What is going on there? David Ramos is going to be on with us to uh, give us the the latest and the background on the conflict between the government in Nicaragua and the Catholic Church there. Hey, uh, coming up at 15 past this hour, this is a story you're not going to believe. But there is video of this. Uh, A man smashes his way out of a coffin because he was buried alive. Oh, but he gets better. As a human sacrifice at a Pachamama festival in Bolivia. (laughs) <laughs> Hashtag true story, and we're going to cover that at 15 past the hour, no so way. stick around. Yes, it's, there's video, I'm telling you, it's crazy. Uh, there is a moral to the story, and we'll get to that as well. Hey, at the top of the next hour, Dave Palmer, our friend from uh, the uh, North Texas part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, and host of a show called Back to the Father, uh, is going to be asking the question, exactly why did St. Thomas Aquinas... Stop writing the Summa. He has some interesting theories, and I'm imagining it has something to do with the fact that, well, because Franciscans are amazing. So, you know, there you go. Well, we'll find out. We'll, we'll, we'll fact check that at the top of the next hour if you can join us. Lots of stories in the news. Of course, Facebook has removed, un- unbelievably, censorship on an Australian independent think tank that said men can't, have, can't get pregnant, and they censored them, and they have... Uh, You know, gone back on that. Praise be to God. That's amazing. That's unheard of. Well, at the same time, Twitter's like, don't worry. (laughs) The midterms are coming. We'll make sure you're safe from disinformation. We're going to ramp that censorship there. So thanks, Twitter, for that. Hey, Georgia declares unborn babies natural persons who can be claimed as dependents. That's kind of a cool thing. Let that spread across all 50 states. I'd be in favor. Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser is asking for the National Guard to come in to the rescue because of all the the influx of immigrants in the nation's capital. She was denied the last time she asked, and she's hoping that they will say yes this time. Golly, you is. Maybe you could come down to like one of these tiny little border towns, you know, like a a 1% the size of what you are a mayor of, and see how they're managing you know, the influx, because college you whiz, I'm sure you guys have a lot in common now. Hey, it turns out that Merrick Garland actually did have something to do with the raid on Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence after he sort of made it seem like he didn't. Well, he confirmed he did, and then he refused to take questions. So there's that. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. There's a lot of interesting news out there today, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to getting into that. But uh, mm-hmm. the weekend's here. We made it. I lost a hard drive last but night. But at what cost? 
I lost a hard drive last night. I know you're, dude, one struggle. Dude, I was up. One struggle, Joe. All I feel night, it. trying to recover files. It's over. It, yeah. I. <laughs> Joe, you didn't learn from my lesson? And I was watching Joan of Arc, which, by the way, I'm sending to you, CDT Insiders, tonight, to this afternoon. I'm sending you an incredible Joan of Arc film. Ooh, Ingrid Bergman. It's going to be so good. You're going to love it. You can watch it with your family. It's going to be great. It's going to be good. But I was watching her burn at the stake thinking, Joan, if you only had ever lost a hard drive, then you would know what it's like to suffer. Speaking of fire, <laughs> you ought to bake it. Maybe it'll start working again. It's an SSD drive. Is that how that works? Oh, man. It's yeah. over. Exactly. It's over. Okay. Good morning to you, Adrian Fonseca. How are you, my friend? Good morning. Good morning. I am doing much better than everyone else, apparently. Adrian's like, apparently. my hard drive's fine. Yeah, my hard drive's fine. <laughs> I, the, to be fair, I really haven't messed with it in a while, so maybe it is corrupt, too. Who knows? Yeah, uh, but, you know, I'm not worried about it. It's you know, my detachment. second hard drive, actually. Detachment from all things. Praise be to God. I'm sitting at 20 terabytes of hard drive not working with video footage that I can't replace. Well... Of family All and for the greater glory of God. Amen. God wanted you to be detached yeah. from those files. And then this morning, I was at a gas. I, I had to stop at three gas stations. The first gas station had a creepy guy sitting there with a stick on his lap in the shadows, just overwatching the the uh, the gas station. I've never seen him there before, ever. I was the like, owner. I'm not stopping there. Man, you need some gas. He was across the street, just, just like really ominous looking, so I kept driving. The next one, pumps weren't on. The next one, the pi the hose to the pump was disconnected and on the ground. And then the guy was Praise there. Praise be to God for the <laughs> opportunity like, to suffer here? today. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Oh, you and your Amen, your brother. <laughs> Alright, praise be to God. Let's stop complaining and start praying and oh, yeah. get into it all. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Friday, August 12th, and here are your headlines this morning. The Daily Wire reports armed suspect who attempted to breach Ohio FBI office dies. After a long standoff, officials announced that law enforcement had shot and killed the armed suspect on Thursday who attempted to break into the FBI headquarters in Cincinnati, Ohio. Authorities have identified the suspect as 42-year-old Ricky Schiffer. Schiffer brandished a rifle and shot a nail gun into the FBI building before fleeing the scene, causing multiple law enforcement agencies to engage in pursuit. The Washington Examiner reports FEC OKs Google's plan to stop spamming GOP mail. In a rare bipartisan vote, the Federal Election Commission approved a Google pilot program on Thursday to exempt political groups from Gmail spam filters, likely ending a feud with Republicans that claim the service is biased against their fundraising efforts. The vote has, was seen as a free speech victory by Republican critics who believe that Gmail filters somehow spam GOP fundraising emails, but not those from Democrats. Google's lawyer told the commission that it does not inject any bias into the Gmail spam filters. Reuters reports Johnson & Johnson to end global sales of talc-based baby powder. If you're still using this, I suggest you stop. In 2020, Johnson & Johnson announced it would stop selling its talc baby powder in the United States and Canada because demand had fallen in the wake of what they call misinformation about the product's safety amid a barrage of legal challenges. 
The company faces about 38,000, you heard that right, 38,000 lawsuits from consumers and their survivors claiming that talc products cause cancer due to contamination with asbestos, a known carcinogen. Johnson & Johnson spun off subsidiary LTM Management in October, assigned its talk claims to it, and immediately placed it into bankruptcy, causing the pending lawsuits. The suing, those suing, rather, have said Johnson & Johnson should have to defend itself against the lawsuits, while defendants of Johnson & Johnson and the bankrupt subsidiary say it's an equitable way to compensate claimants. And the Blaze Report's outgoing Whole Foods CEO issues stark warning about the encroachment of socialists. He says they're taking over everything. John Mackey announced last September that he was retiring from managing the supermarket chain that he co-founded more than 40 years ago. But before his departure from Whole Foods at the end of August, Mackey is warning Americans about socialism. He says, quote, they're marching through the institutions. They're taking over everything. They're taking over education, and it looks like they've taken over a lot of the corporations. It looks like they've taken over the military, and it's just continuing. In his retirement from Whole Foods, Mackey is likely to be more outspoken about politics. In fact, he told Reason, which is a website, that he will no longer be muzzled. He says, pretty soon you're going to hear about Crazy John, who's no longer muzzled, he joked. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Jane France de Châtel, born on January 28, 1572. Jane Frances was a wife, mother, nun, and founder of religious community. Her mother died when she was about 18 months old, and her father, head of parliament at Gijon, France, became the main influence on her education. Jane developed into a woman of beauty and refinement, lively and cheerful in temperament. At 21, she married Baron de Chantel, by whom she had six children, three of whom died in infancy. At her castle, she restored the custom of daily mass and was seriously engaged in various charitable works. Jane's husband was killed after seven years of marriage, and she sank into deep dejection for four months at her family home. Her father-in-law threatened to disinherit her children if she did not return to his home. He was then 75, vain, fierce, and extravagant. Jane Frances managed to remain cheerful in spite of him and her insolent housekeeper. When she was 32, Jane met St. Francis de Sales, who became her spiritual director. Softening some of the severities imposed by her former director, she wanted to become a nun, but he, pers but he persuaded her to defer this decision. She took a vow to remain unmarried and to obey her director. After three years, Francis told Jane of his plan to found an institute of women that would be a haven for those whose health, age, and or considerations barred them from entering the already established communities. There would be no cloister and they would be free to undertake spiritual and corporal works of mercy. They were primarily intended to exemplify the virtues of Mary at the Visitation, hence the name the Visitation Nuns, Humility and Meekness. The usual opposition to women in active ministry arose and Francis de Sales was obliged to make it a cloister community following the rule of St. Augustine. Francis wrote his famous treatise on the love of God for them. The congregation consisted of three women began when Jane Francis was 45. She underwent great sufferings and Francis de Sales died. Her son was killed, a plague raged France, and her daughter-in-law and son-in-law died. She encouraged the local authorities to make great effort for the victims of the plague, and she put all her convent's resources at the disposal of the sick. 
During a part of her religious life, Jane Francis had to undergo great trials of the spirit, interior anguish, darkness, and spiritual dryness. She died while on a visitation of convents of the community. She died on December 13, 1641. Saint Jane Francis de Chatel, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 19, verses 3 through 12. Some Pharisees approached Jesus and tested him, saying, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any cause whatever? He said in reply, Have you not read that from the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? So they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together, man must not separate. They said to him, Then why did Moses command them that, uh, why did Moses command that the man give the woman a bill of divorce and, and dismiss her? He said to them, Because of the hardness of your hearts, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, unless the marriage is unlawful, and marries another commits adultery. His disciples said to him, If that is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. He answered, Not all can accept this word, but only those to whom that it is granted. Some are incapable of marriage because they were born so, some because they were made so by others, some because they have renounced marriage for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Whoever can accept it, ought to accept it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you only got about a minute, Adrian, but anything okay, in particular? Okay, real quickly, the one thing from Cornelius Lapide I'm going to say here is that they, here Cornelius Lapide quotes our Lord and says, here are two reasons why Christ proves that a man ought not to put away his wife. So if you're looking for a reason to not divorce your wife, here's a couple. A man's putting away his wife is contrary to nature, just as it is contrary to nature that one flesh and one man should be divided into two. And the second reason, this divorce is contrary to the ordinance of God. If therefore, if therefore it be done, it is done impiously, because what God had joined together, it is, is torn asunder. Who dares to annul what God has sanctioned? Who dares to divide what God has united? Who dares to mutilate the work of God, the Creator? So, if you uh, want mm. a reason why not to divorce your wife mm. today, there's two. Mm. You're welcome. All right. Save your marriage. <laughs> Save your marriage. Praise be to God. Hey, listen, i got to catch you up on a national emergency story uh, right after this very quick break. I mean, this is pretty critical stuff. And we're going to talk about the guy who was born alive as a human sacrifice. All that's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for religious vocations. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for vocations to the religious life? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. Protestants often think that the difference in the Greek words for Peter's name, Petros, and the rock, Petra, in Matthew 16:18, is evidence against Peter being the first pope. But does this objection deal the death blow that Protestants think it does? Nope, and here's why. First, even in the Greek of the New Testament called Koine Greek, 
scholars recognize that there's no difference in meaning. In the IVP Bible background commentary, Craig Keener affirms that these two terms were cognate terms that were used interchangeably by this period. This view is supported by the fact that John tells us in John 1.42 that the Aramaic equivalent of Petros is Cephas, which means rock. So why the difference? Gender. Petros is masculine and Petra is feminine. It makes perfect sense that a feminine noun would not be used for a masculine name. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at uh, 35 past the hour, we're going to dive into the Nicaragua story. Why the government in Nicaragua is persecuting the church, the Catholic church there. Why they have a a Catholic bishop under house arrest there. And uh, what is going on? All of that coming up with David Ramos at uh, 35 past the hour. So join us if you can for that. But let me tell you something. There is a national emergency story here that you need to be aware of. We are on day number two, if Adrian put me on camera here. We're on day number two of no carrot coffee working in this office. Okay. <laughs> I've had to, for two days straight, make cowboy coffee in order to just survive it. I mean, this is uh, a pretty we- big... Can we even mm-hmm. pretend that that's mm-hmm. cowboy coffee? You're not wearing a hat. You don't have okay. boots on. I, I, I did leave the boots. That I is the not hat, a cowboy hat. It's definitely not a cowboy hat. But nonetheless, uh, yeah, I, I have reached out to the uh, governor's office to request nationals, uh, you know, the uh, National Guard to be sent out in order to uh, address this emergency situation because, I mean, this isn't good. But the, he denied it, right? Yeah, like twice. Nice. That's <sighs> unbelievable. Unbelievable. Tax dollars at work, friend. Yeah, I know. It's insane to me. So pray. Pray fast and do some penance because hopefully we're <laughs> going to get the coffee thing working again. Because I don't know how much longer I can go on cowboy coffee. Hmm. Not enough caffeine? It's not that not enough caffeine. It's that there's too many coffee grains. Too much stuff. Along with the caffeine oh, being see. consumed at the same mm-hmm. time. It's like having a whole meal before I'm supposed to eat. You know, that kind of thing. I wouldn't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know with my latte, so. Man, <clears throat> it's been a rough couple of days. I lost the drive yesterday, this morning with the gas station fiasco. And then, of course, now we're having tech problems on, like, Rumble's not working and Twitter's not working and Facebook's doing weird things. Uh, praise be to God, it's Friday. We're looking forward to it. All right, so here's a story that's going to blow your mind. And as I like to say, there are lots of stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and they ought to be to you, and I'm sure they are as well. But uh, here is a story. I'm sharing my desktop there, Adrian, uh, that came out of the Daily Mail. Absolutely insane, this story. Uh, this is the headline. Man smashes his way out of a coffin after being buried alive as a sacrifice to Mother Earth when he passed out while drinking at a festival in Bolivia. I want you to let that sink in. Ruminate on that. Just take that in for a second. You know, like when you're hanging out at Pachimama festivals in Bolivia, maybe drinking to excess is probably not the best strategy uh, in general. Here it goes. A man has told of how he smashed his way out of a coffin after being buried alive by festival goers at a sacrifice to as a sacrifice to Mother Earth when he passed out while drinking in Bolivia. 
After passing out the night before following a heavy drinking session at the opening of Mother Earth Festival in El Alto, Bolivia on August the 5th, Victor Hugo Mica Alvarez, 30 years old, found himself 50 miles away inside a casket. Whew. Could you imagine? <laughs> I mean, they make horror movies about that. I mean, it's a fitting punishment for being a glutton, drinking so much, and getting drunk. It being offered up to Pachamama? deserved it. Like, you really? You kind of deserved it. But if you drink to that excess. I disagree. <laughs> I, 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 have to, uh, I have to protest there. All right, the, the article goes on to say, The Mother Earth Festival sees people giving thanks to Pachamama, the goddess of earth and fertility, where they give offerings, also known as Sulu, uh, to the planet. Mm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah, look at this. This is a picture. If you're, you can't see this if you're listening on radio, but the poor gentleman was just pulled from the ground, and he looks like a total mess. <laughs> His face uh, slightly bloodied and bruised. His eye looks a little swollen. He's covered in dirt. Uh, the article goes on to say, Indigenous Bolivians believe the goddess opens her mouth for offerings in August, and many will give anything from live animals to sheep, uh, fetuses, as well as cocoa leaves and sw uh, sweets. Okay, i got to draw the line right there. You want to give sheep, you want to give live animals, you want to give drunks, fine, whatever. <laughs> but cocoa, chocolate, no. Okay, that's, I think, bridge too far. You can't be giving For up. For me, it's the coca leaves. Giving up the those, good stuff. Those need to be in, in uh, cola or something. <laughs> Yikes. Article says, some say ancient human sacrifices and offerings are still carried out in secret. You think? Mm. Uh, gee, I wonder. Uh, Alvarez believes that other party goers had buried him alive as a Sulu sacrificing him to Mother Earth, otherwise known as Pachamama. And there, in fact, is video uh, of him here. Uh, we're not going to play the audio of it, but he's describing. He's, I mean, he's describing what it was like to uh, to wake up in the ground in a coffin, trying to smash his way, claw his way out of this. Uh, out of this coffin, out of the ground, and he's uh, and there's even video of them pulling him out of out of the ground. It's absolutely insane. Two men, I guess, came to his rescue as he was nearing the end there, and just dragged him out of the hole. The 30-year-old told local Bolivian news outlet uh, last night was the the uh, pre-entry of the festival. We went dancing, and afterwards, I don't remember. I wonder. I wonder if his drink was uh was laced i'm just curious uh and after i don't remember the only thing i remember is that i thought i was in bed i wanted to get up to go to the bathroom and couldn't move when i pushed the coffin i was able to break a glass that it had and that was the way in which i was able to get out and there's images here of this pachamama festival and it says, they wanted to use me as a Sulu, but to add insult to injury, when Alvarez reported his burial to police, they refused to believe him, saying he was too drunk. The offerings to Pachamama continue all year round, with many indigenous people taking part in folk dances and ritual ceremonies. Uh, this is a crazy story. This is an absolute uh, crazy story. Could you imagine being stuck in a, a coffin? That you have no idea where you're at. You're, you're probably he's probably got a wicked morning hangover. 
His head is probably splitting all by itself, and then he's also got to sort of figure out what's going on and and how does he get out and like man, that's a scary proposition. But I think it, I think uh, here's a greater big here's a bigger greater point. See, the not enough coffee. I told you it was an emergency. Uh, speaking and thinking and talking at the same time, these things only work with coffee. Um, you know, when we drink to excess or do drugs to excess or eat to excess, or do anything really to excess, there are downsides, there's consequences, real consequences. Having been somebody who has been, um, lived the party life very, very badly for many years, I can tell you there are great consequences that you have to then live with, right? So this is, I think the moral to the story is, uh, if you're, you know, you shouldn't drink to excess ever, but if you're going to, especially don't do it at a Pachamama festival. In Peru. In Peru. <laughs> Peru. When well, in the Peru. Other, well, <laughs> the other thing is, like, I mean, assuming he was drinking to excess and wasn't drugged. Well, he, yeah, um, you're right. He yeah. did say he was having a drinking oh, that's, session. That's yeah. true. He seemed to be a willing participant in the drinking part. Yeah. But uh, the good news is that he, according to Aquinas, he would not be culpable for anything, uh, for the sacrificing of himself to Because he didn't oh, offer right. himself. Because he was drunk. Yeah. So he can't be culpable of his actions afterwards. Do you think they might have laced his drink? I don't know. I couldn't even speculate. But, I mean, if there are people who are willing to sacrifice you to a pagan idol, well, I wouldn't put it past them to drug you. So, I mean, you, you know, know there's something. Two things. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just equating the two things. It's like, if you're willing to uh, murder someone for a pagan god, then you probably would be okay with drugging someone, just typically, just in terms of those two things not being equal. So, anyway, you were saying? I have a question about this story, though. So, immediately, the reporter is there, and he's interviewing this guy. How did they know he was in there? Did the, the article didn't mention that, right? No. No. Hmm. And, uh, you know, the gentleman... Screaming his head off, maybe. Yeah, I, I would <laughs> you. I mean, like, ah! like, like, the ground is speaking to me. Yeah. Uh, well, the thing is that people, speaks. Well, people were always saying whenever the whole Pachamama incident came up, they were like, oh, no, it's just, you know, Mother Earth is a symbol of the Blessed Virgin Mary. It's not actually a pagan idol. But, you know, I'm going to go on a limb here and say Our Lady does not want human sacrifice to her. I'm just going to... Throw that yeah, out there. I wanted to mm-hmm. make that connection as well. I'm all of those Catholics who tried to come to the defense of Pachamama. Uh, was that two years ago now? Nineteen? Was it nineteen or twenty with the Pachamama? Isn't it funny how everything fell apart after that? It still is. I mean, good grief! My hard drive blew up last <laughs> night. My coffee doesn't work. I can't speak or coherently. Uh, yeah, things are not going well. Uh, but nonetheless. Um, Everybody wanted to try to make the argument, oh, it's just the uh, Our Lady of the Amazon. Like, that's an insult to the Queen of Heaven and Earth. That's the insult to the Mother of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Like, to equate her to something of a demon, because that's what this is. That's what we're talking about here. Who offers human sacrifice? Uh, it's to a demon. Demons want you to kill your fellow humans. Right? That's the Aztec thing. That's the pagan thing. And this world is returning back to pagan roots. It's embracing its pagan uh, background and in a way that should frighten the world, I would argue. Well, hopefully he can, uh, this guy and the other people there can get in line for confession and actually get in. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, and hopefully they baptize a few, too, along the way, uh, even though they seem to not want to down there. It is very concerning, and golly, you is. I wonder what the local bishop has to say about... 
pagan festivals going on within his jurisdiction. You know, uh, you and I were talking about this yesterday, Rudy. Wouldn't it be amazing if at a festival like this, where all these people are gathered to make these sacrifices and embrace these pagan rituals, if the bishop showed up in his vestments with his miter, his crozier, the, and, the gloves, and the gloves, just like showed up and with great confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ and his office as bishop, commanded the devils to depart and prayed the precious blood of Jesus upon everyone there. And just imagine the effect of that. The, not just the spiritual effect, but the, just the, the effect of that will have on people just watching. Yeah. Like, man, it would, blow, it would blow them away. It would just blow their minds. It would be so amazing to see. And I would say, uh, you know, Bishop, have the courage. Have the courage to, to confront this demonic situation in your diocese. For the sake of the souls that are enwrapped uh, in, in this. I mean, this guy, although he committed the sin of drunkenness and put himself in a bad situation, which he could have avoided. I mean, we don't know if his, his uh, drink was laced or whatever. It sounded like he went into blackout. You have to get pretty drunk to get to that point. Yeah. And or you get drugged. Yeah, that, I only do that once a day. <clears throat> I hope not. Oh, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, pretty, pretty crazy, crazy story. So the next time you have an encounter with someone in your friends or circle, family circles, and they, they try to defend Pachamama, you might recall this story. And then, uh, you know, obviously, you know, charitably share with them and, and uh, encourage them to, uh, to not buy into that. Charitably say, please don't sacrifice me to Pachamama. Yeah, please. <laughs> please. All right. Uh, praise be to God. We're getting ready to go to break. We're going to come back with more breaking news and stories from Rudy Carlos. And then, of course, we're going to dive into the story in Nicaragua. What is going on in Nicaragua? Why is the church being persecuted there? We've asked David Ramos to join us. He's going to be on with us. So stick around. A lot more Catholic Drive Time is headed your way. We'll be right back. Ave Maria School of Law is the Roman Catholic law school in the U.S. Consistently ranked in the Princeton Review as one of the best and most conservative law schools, as well as pre-law's most devout law school. Ave Maria School of Law provides a traditional legal education while placing an emphasis on how the law intersects with the Catholic intellectual tradition and natural law philosophy. Ave Maria School of Law, unabashedly Catholic, consistently excellent. For more information, AveMariaLaw.edu. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, What's wrong for you may be right for someone else. And besides, what's right and wrong changes like everything else. You can't fight these things. You have to just go with the flow. G.K. Chesterton says, Right is right, even if nobody does it. And wrong is wrong, even if everybody is wrong about it. Right and wrong are not based on fashion and personal preferences, and not on the calendar. They're based on the laws of God, on eternal truth that does not change. And as for going with the flow, G.K. Chesterton says, A dead thing goes with the stream. Only a living thing can go against it. Want more than a minute? Visit us at Chesterton.org. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired, and now more headlines. 
The Epic Times reports grocery inflation hits highest level in 43 years despite Biden's zero inflation messaging. The Food at Home Index, which represents food purchased in places like grocery stores for consumption at home, jumped by an annual 13.1%, which is the fastest pace since March of 1979. Some of the sharpest year-over-the-year jumps in food purchased for consumption at home include flour at plus 22.7%, chicken at 17.6%, milk at 15.6%, bread at 13.7%, and eggs at a whopping 38%. And even though the overall month-over-month -month CPI index growth came in at 0.0%, the vast majority of food-at-home items that made up the index also saw month-over-month -month increases. Breitbart reports United States and India to hold military drills in Himalayas near China border. Soldiers of the U.S. Army will deploy to a region of northern India's Uttarakhand state, I hope I pronounced that right, located 60 miles from India's disputed Himalayan border with China to participate in an annual joint military exercise with the Indian Armed Forces called Yud Abayas, which translates to war practice. Though Yud Abayas has been held annually since 2004, this year's drill holds extra significance as India and China remain engaged in an unofficial border standoff between Western Himal the in the Western Himalayas, rather, that began in June 2020. Chinese People's Liberation Army soldiers ambushed an Indian Army border regiment in northern India's Ladakh state on the night of June 15, 2020. And the CNA reports, Bishops of Mexico stand in solidarity with Nicaragua at time of profound suffering. They say, at this time of profound suffering, the bishops of Mexico wish to convey to you our fervent prayer, closeness, and support, imploring the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, the much longed for peace, justice, and harmonious coexistence of your people, the conference said in an August 8th statement. The recent wave of repression against Nicaraguan Church, the Nicaraguan Church began on August 1st when Ortega's dictatorship ordered the closure of eight Catholic radio stations in the Diocese of Matagalpa. Later, the Bishop of Matagalpa, Rolando Jose Alvarez, was placed under house arrest and threatened with prison for allegedly trying to organize violent groups to destabilize the government. The cathedral in Managua was vandalized on August 6th, cutting off electricity to it and other buildings on the grounds from August 1st through August 4th. Riot police prevented Father Uriel Vallejos and a group of faithful from leaving the Rectory of Jesus of the Divine Mercy Parish in the, group of in the town of Sabaco after the police forced their way into the parish and shut down the Catholic radio station that was operated on the premises. Vallejos is the radio station's director. I guess we're going to talk a little bit more about this and. Uh, just a few minutes here, but uh, those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Again, today is the day where I send out the uh, CDT Insider email to our Insider crew, and I'm going to be sending you a movie on St. Joan of Arc. It is really good. I was uh, watching it while I was crying about my hard drive destroyed last night. Uh, but uh, you're going to love this movie. It's a classic. It's going to be really fun. It's going to hit your inbox Later this afternoon, to make sure uh, you get that, you have to be on our CDT Insider email list. So you can go to our website and sign up today, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Uh, that's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Look for the Insider CDT Insider email list link. You will find the instructions. It's super easy. 
You can sign up in just a minute. Uh, it's super quick. Again, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Or you could simply just uh, pull out your cell phone and text the letters GRN to the number 42828. Text GRN to the number 42828. That puts you on our list as well. Joining us right now via Zoom chat is David Ramos. He is the editor-in-chief at ACI Prensa, and uh, we're going to be discussing what's going on in Nicaragua. Good morning to you, Mr. Ramos. Thank you for inviting me. We're very God bless everyone. Yeah, amen. We're grateful for your time today. Thank you for being on. So uh, we're hearing stories about the bishop and being under arrest, uh, but uh, this is not a new thing, even though maybe here in the United States we're only just now getting this information, but this story has got some history to it. Can you give us that? Yeah, probably the the <coughs> most recent history about this about this per religious persecution uh, they are suffering in Nicaragua. It's it's since 2018 uh, when they had this uh, this huge protest in the streets. So the church defended the human rights of these of these people. So the government, <coughs> I'm sorry, the government got pretty upset. With the, with the Catholic Church in Nicaragua. And we could say that since then, uh, there's been uh, a pretty heavy religious persecution against Catholic Church, Catholic priests, Catholic bishops, and of course, Catholic laity. So uh, this recent persecution, because the, the, the long history of, of harassment against the Catholic Church in Nicaragua, mm -hmm. we could track back to maybe the 70s, 80s, right? So this is this is not new for the Catholic Church in Nicaragua, but this is getting every single day even heavier to to handle. Yeah, so going back to the 70s, it was uh, sort of a, a, a war between communism and uh, democracy, so to speak. Uh, the United States got involved through the, the scandal that uh, they were funneling money uh, to uh, the Sandinistas and and the Contras and all of that. Uh, so, where was the church in those days, in between those two factions? Well, that's a that's a kind of of of, of heavy story to tell. There, uh, the this Marxist guerrilla, this Sandinista guerrilla, they had this kind of theological background too. They had this liberation theology. Maybe you have heard about it. In in those days, uh, uh, you you could remember Ernesto Cardenal. He he was a priest, and he uh, engaged this communist guerrilla, and he was kind of a spiritual leader for this communist guerrilla. So there was kind of a left wing of the Catholic Church uh, mm -hmm. inside this this Marxist movement, and we we could remember too that when. Pope Saint John Paul II uh, went to Nicaragua. He kind of have told uh, Ernesto Cardenal, "You behave, please, because what you're doing is wrong." And um, yeah, we, we the, the church in Nicaragua, as as in Central America in in those days, and in Latin America in those days, uh, they had a rough time mm. because it was heavy to remain faithful to the Catholic doctrine, to the Catholic Church teaching. Uh, and there were these these groups that were helping theologically to the to the revolution to the Marxist revolution too. So, so they 
Please. I was going to ask a follow-up question. How bad did liberation theology affect the Catholic lay faithful there? It seems like that sowed the seeds of confusion for many years. Yeah, but uh, in, in all Latin America, in Nicaragua especially, because they had this, this special civil war, they, can this, they had this, this revolution. Uh, but I think the, the piety of the people helped the church survive this kind of, of theology, if, if you like. So it affected in the time. It affected uh, because they, there were priests helping or, or backing up the, the revolution. But the but the faithful, but the but the late, uh, they they carry on with their faith because of popular late uh, popular uh, piety, of devotion, of love to the church, of a long history of love to the church. Because here in Latin America we have the the Hispanic uh, the Hispanic evangelization. So so this is a long history of of loving the church of. Of, of piety, so it was a hard time, but I really think that that the Catholic Church uh, got stronger in faith after these these issues they had in the seventies, mm-hmm. eighties. And the bishop there, who's under house arrest, Bishop Alvarez. Uh, what exactly yeah. did he do to deserve being locked up and with ten other people not allowed to leave his curial office? It's 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 hard to. To tell what what they're doing wrong because they are doing nothing wrong. They're just being a faithful bishop. He's just defending the the human rights, the 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 religious freedom. Uh, he's maybe criticizing the government in those issues because in Nicaragua we have a dictatorship, right? So it's it's kind of of normal for a bishop to tell the truth. So he's being persecuted. Because he's telling the truth, the the Catholic, the the right truth, right? So we 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 there's there's nothing uh, the bishops are doing wrong, and we can see this in the missionaries of of mercy that were expelled recently uh, from Nicaragua. Because you can argue maybe that that. Uh, a bishop is is maybe too noisy for the government. Maybe a priest is is telling a, is is speaking a lot through radio stations, through television networks. You could argue that, but when you see that missionaries of charity of, mm. are, are being expelled from a country, they, they they don't do anything wrong. They just help the poor people, the sick people. So you see there that this is not an issue between the government and some politics bishops, some politics priests. This is a, an issue of the government against the Catholic Church, against the, uh, the faith of the people. Oh, wow. Well, we are right at a break, uh, but we're talking about what's going on in Nicaragua. And as we've been reporting here, uh, not only was the bishop put under house arrest, but also they've been shutting down, they did shut down Catholic radio. Uh, which, uh, you know, obviously working in Catholic radio, that's a, it's, a, it's an emergency. That's a tragedy. The ability for the church to reach the people, to speak the good, the true, and the beautiful. Now, we have to stand up and defend that, and we have to do something. We're going to have a greater conversation around that coming up right after this break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. I would imagine your pastor preaches from the text which says, We preach Jesus Christ crucified. So then, where's the crucifix in your church? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, history. Under the dread of persecution and death, the crucifix was displayed at Mass, but with great caution due to the threats of the Roman emperors and the pagan haters of Christianity. Traveling up through time, Pope Pius V in 1570 made it mandatory to display a crucifix in every church. Secondly, the Bible. 1 Corinthians 1 says, but we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block. You see, there was never any embarrassment of his corpse. In fact, two men of great renown, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, boldly handled the dead body of Jesus. And thirdly, my comeback. You see, at times, the early church held mass in the catacombs to honor the shed blood of the brave martyrs. Sad to say, many contemporary churches don't even have a cross in their church, let alone a crucifix. Also, could a crucifix on your neck cause others to think you are Catholic? St. Peter, it must have been horrible when you heard that rooster crow. Each of us will be asked to review the movie of our life and give an account to God. We will sorrowfully relive the bad times and joyfully revisit the good. Thankfully, no matter what you've done, there is hope. Since Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. So if you've been away from church for a while, we invite you to come home and find the peace that only comes from God. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. David Ramos is our guest. He is the editor-in-chief at ACI Prensa. And we're talking about Nicaragua, what's going on there, and why the bishop has been put under house arrest. I saw pictures of him coming out to bless protesters and then surrounded by police in riot gear. Seems like an overreaction, um, which is very telling, I would say. When you have to send many police officers in riot gear to face a man praying, uh, that should pretty much tell you all you need to know. What say you, Mr. Ramos? Yeah, uh, he even sung for them. He <laughs> he sung uh, 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 this 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 song that is called "Amigo," friend. He told them, "You're a friend. You're my my soul friend." This this he was singing to the to the police that they were they were in a kind of barrier outside his his house so yeah uh, you you see his attitude you see how he's responding to this harassment to this house arrest uh, and you just see a, a catholic bishop being a pretty faithful catholic bishop so yeah i, I see why it's hard, hard to understand why he's he's being so harassed by the government but as I told you, we have to understand maybe two things about uh, the, the Nicaragua government, the, the Nicaragua dictatorship of Daniel Ortega and his wife, uh, Rosario Murillo. They really hate a Catholic Church. They really hate Catholic teaching. They were tolerating the Catholic Church uh, because they are, one, Marxist. They are, two, uh, atheists, furious atheists. Mm. And three, they are... Uh, Involved if some in some kind of 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 um, witchery uh, we could we could tell. So wow. these are some kind of reasons to understand why the the Nicaragua government is really against the church. Wow, Mr. Ramos, you know, yeah, absolutely. There's a, a giant spectacle being made out of this uh, uh, the, the Catholic Church there in Nicaragua. I'm just wondering, you know. They, the church has obviously spoken out in opposition to uh, this this dictatorship that's taking place there. 
but were any other radio stations taken down? Were any TV stations or any other opposition voices taken down? Or was this just immediately uh, a targeted attack against the church? Uh, first, when the missionaries of charity were expelled, we are talking about uh, around a hundred or even more ONGs uh, that were uh, uh, closed by the government. Mm. Uh, these are ONGs that are directed to the attention of the poor, to helping the poor, to helping the sick. And it was kind of directed to every single thing that looks against the government policies. He's any an institution who is defending the human rights in Nicaragua. Uh, but then it, it kind of, of got even personal with the Catholic Church because as in 2018, the Catholic Church has to tell the truth, has to defend the, the, the powerless. Yeah. So the Catholic Church is, is what it does. So when the church did again that uh, from the Catholic radio stations, they were shut down. The Catholic TV stations first were shut down, and then Catholic radio stations were shut down by the government. So, yeah, first it was kind of a human rights issue, and then it got really directed to the Catholic Church in Nicaragua. And then these radio stations, some of them in Matagalpa, that is the, the Catholic diocese of, the, of Monsignor eh, Rolando, you know, they shut down violently. With, with some violence, and then uh, we, we have these 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 videos, these pictures of the of how the police got into the radios, uh, punching everyone. We have people bleeding wow. because uh, it was it was really violent what they did there. You know, it's interesting. You a second ago you had just mentioned in passing that there was involvement in witchcraft. And I wanted to follow up on that point because, I mean, we just covered a story from Bolivia about a man being buried alive, being sacrificed to Pachamama idols, to Mother Earth. And in Mexico, it's well known that there is the Santa Muerte cult, people worshipping uh, this, this personification of death, and it's a resurgence of paganism. And so I'm very intrigued by the fact that you said that there is witchcraft because it seems that that is becoming more and more out in the open. Could you follow up a little bit on that point that you made? Yeah. Uh, well, this is especially the case of Rosario Murillo. She's the vice president. She's the wife of Daniel Ortega. And she's really involved in, in, witchery, in witchcraft. Uh, uh, the, the people in Nicaragua is, is kind of openly, this is openly known. She... Uh, wears uh, uh, some some items, uh, some rings, some some stuff, and she she speaks kind of about it. So yeah, it's kind of a of a practice. She was practicing practicing tarot and this kind of of of, of rituals. So yeah, she she's into it, and some people, especially in this this witchcraft world. Uh, attributes the the risk, not so recent, but the but the starting point of this of this new government from twenty twenty two hundred and seven two thousand and seven. I'm sorry. Uh, they attribute this to the to the witch works of Rosario Murillo. Wow, that is incredibly troubling. So then, where are the lay faithful in all of this? Uh, do the vast majority of uh, Catholics in Nicaragua, which is more than half of the country's population, from my understanding, do they support the bishop? Are they standing up to the bishop? What are they doing about, uh, are they protesting? Are they allowed to protest? I mean, where do they stand? 
they stand for the Catholic Church, they stand for the bishop, but it's really hard to protest, to say anything publicly, because we have we have this really uh, recent uh, hurt of 2018. They they got into the streets they they go they get they went out to the streets and they got killed we have up more over over more um, around 300 maybe 400 people that we, they were killed by the government mm. when they just protesting so it's it's hard to to go out to the streets and we can we can understand this when you see especially here in latin america uh, what the what the Pope sometimes says about the clerical is yeah we we kind of of have in this big position this this high position to the bishops, and if the bishop gets harassed, the bishop the Catholic bishop uh, gets imprisoned by the by the police in his own his home house. Uh, what 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 do is what could I expect? Mm. Uh, I I'm just a lay people. So this is kind of a message to from the government, from the dictatorship of Daniel Ortega. We can do that to a Catholic bishop. So, so what's the end game here then? If no one stands up, if no one takes a stand and does something uh, against this, uh, what's the future? Is the church going to be snuffed out in Nicaragua? It's a dark future. I was talking to Marta Molina, who's a, a lawyer. He, she went, she wrote this, this, this report of over 190 attacks to the Catholic Church since 2018. Uh, and yeah, she said, well, we, we as Nicaraguans, we are, as people here, we, we can do kind of no more. We really need help from outside because this government has the police has the army, mm -hmm. has every single power they have to just uh, blow us away. Hmm. So if, if we don't get any help, we are screwed. So Wow. Well, under the government of Plutarco Caius in Mexico in the 19, uh, late 1920s, early 30s, uh, the Catholics asked for help there. I read a letter in uh, that uh, the... It was sent to the bishops in America begging for help, and America sent weapons to Plutarco Caius, and those weapons were used against Catholics in Mexico. Um, so I don't know that help is coming. What should Nicaragua do next? That's what uh, we can see this, uh, this next in, in what the bishop is doing. What, what the, the only, the main weapon the Catholic Church has is, is the prayer, is God, is, is our hope in God. So when we see what the bishop is doing right now, he had this this mass, he had this uh, this uh, uh, Eucharistic adoration. Mm -hmm. That's what we can do in Nicaragua because there's there's no other way in which uh, the people could go out, out to the streets and say, "Please stop," because they tried in 2018. Mm -hmm. They really tried in 2018 to end this dictatorship, and sadly, it didn't mm -hmm. work. But what about the Pope? Why do you think the Pope has not spoken out vigorously and strongly about this situation? One of his bishops is under house arrest and his people are seemingly being persecuted. Why wouldn't His Holiness speak out against this? We could argue that, that maybe some work of Vatican diplomacy, right, in, in maybe uh, working this out uh, behind the scenes. And that's what Nicaragua people hopes. That that the Vatican is is helping out this way, uh, they really claiming for a 
asking for a pop message of of hope of help so yeah that's that's what the people is, is expecting for not just a, a message but but maybe there's some work of Vatican diplomacy to stop this because as I told you there's no way from inside Nicaragua this could be solved does the bishop and the ten people who are stuck with him uh, in house arrest in the diocesan offices, do they have access to food and water, uh, you know, anything like that? Uh, right now, some. That's w that's one of the worries they have right now in Nicaragua because the police is surrounding, and, and we have videos of drones flying over the of the over the bishop house so they are really surrounded like a like a criminal right mm. so uh, uh they have some food left but the worry is just uh how much could they handle uh without going out the house wow it's a pretty desperate situation <laughs> There needs to, we need to get the TFP down there to do some rosary rallies is what it sounds like. Yeah, I was going to ask that. When the last minute we have left, uh, what is the role Our Lady has in uh, the message of hope for the people of Nicaragua? And uh, what would you ask of, uh, of Americans who are listening to the program to uh, pray for you? Yeah, uh, we have. What, what we, we really have to, to pray for is, I think, two, two, two important things. One, what we just talked about that that uh, that Nicaragua could get help from outside, could get help from Vatican, could get help from America. Uh, this is this is a uh, uh, a main issue right now. And the second is the is the conversion of the heart. We are really praying. Nicaragua is really praying for the conversion of the heart of Daniel Ortega. Wow. Because uh, because that's what could uh, help the Catholic Church there. Amen. Praise be to God. David Ramos, Editor-in-Chief at ACI Prensa, thank you for your time today and giving us the inside information on this uh, tragic story in Nicaragua. We're praying for Nicaragua and uh, for the people, for the bishop, and for the conversion of its leaders. God bless you, David. Have a great day. God bless you, too. All right. Praise be to God. That is our number one of Catholic Drive Time. We have survived it, but we're going to have a great conversation with David next. Join us. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the very contemporary and popular idea that a faith alone salvation, which occurs by repenting of sins and asking Jesus in one's heart, sufficient to enter and warrant heaven upon death? I say, no, it's not. Many evangelicals will say, just follow the Romans road, which is four verses snatched out of the book of Romans, and when followed, heaven is promised. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Gospels, nor the Epistles, nor the Apostolic and early Church Fathers ever wrote anything like this mechanical approach. Secondly, the marriage experience. After wrongdoing and temporary departure from your family, does a simple one-time, hey honey, I'm really sorry, bring you back into the family? And thirdly, teaching of the Catholic Church, water baptism, loving God and neighbor, which is displayed by consistent acts of charity while maintaining a perseverant hope of heaven is the surest way to God's eternal presence. And my pesky comeback, that Romans road is presumptuous and significantly dumbs down the holy value and price of salvation. And remember, that Romans road has some potholes. Eve Gambo is a real Guadalupe radio listener. To help her explain the impact that Catholic radio has had on her life, we had Rocky come in and help her tell her story. Before I was able to listen to Catholic radio, I would listen to other Christian radio stations. 
just because there was no Catholic radio. Hey, you know, Mickey always tells me, you know, Catholic radio, you know, it's kind of like having an angel on your shoulder. Those other stations were okay, but I always felt like something was missing. Catholic radio is a huge blessing because it shares the full truth. Well, it was like a wake-up call, kind of like getting punched with an uppercut. Only with the truth. Please, if you have not made a pledge of support to keep Guadalupe Radio on the air, do it now. And if you have made a pledge, please fulfill that pledge. I want to make sure that I always have my Catholic radio station. Yeah, make sure you send in your pledge. You know, you can do so by going to grnonline.com or 888-784-3476. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox. Hello, my name is Dr. Alex Gote, and I'm from Christ the Good Shepherd. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, radio for your soul. Christ, welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Welcome back. It's Friday. Uh, the emergency does continue. Uh, as of uh, this very moment, the Carrick machine is still not working here in the studio. And uh, the coffee intake is still not sufficient levels to ensure that my mind and my mouth are coordinated properly. So uh, it continues to be dicey as to uh, what may come out of my mouth. Also, during the break, Joe mm-hmm. beat us. Uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> it's good for you. Your spiritual director told me to. Oh, really? He said, could you do me a favor? I'm not around all that often. If you could just, you know. Just chastise him a little yeah, bit. Yeah, on occasion. It'd be great. Praise <laughs> be to God. You're the best. Give right. him the old percussive therapy. Yeah. Boy, hey, maybe we should try percussive therapy with the courage. Uh, on my computer that I have in the oh, back yeah, of that, my towel that right too. now? Yeah, don't go steal my, my computer, by the way. Oh, and the other thing that was weird. It's <laughs> so, like a lot of weird things have been going down. My, uh, my, my drive crash at the most critical moment I needed it. Oh, and no. lost a bunch of stuff, and I was just like up all night trying to recover stuff, and it was horrible. And then this morning, I was telling you like about the gas station fiasco. I needed gas. I was on E, and I'm like, oh, I'll just go, I'll just go get it on the way to work. So I'm like, I'll go to Kroger. Like, but I turn a right instead of a left. I'm like, why didn't I turn left? I needed to go left. Why did I go right? What was that scripture? Uh, I do things I don't want to do. Right. <laughs> I mean, and then I go, I'll go, I'll catch the gas station over on the feeder. It'd be great. So I go to that gas station, and there's some creeper dude I've never seen before. I've been by there a billion times. With St. Michael. And he's sitting there on the ledge of the highway with a stick in his hand at three something in the morning, looking all creepy in the dark, overlooking this gas station. I'm like, I'm not stopping there, man. Forget that. <laughs> so I go to the next gas station, and its pumps are off. I'm like, who leaves their pumps off? It's 2022, people. Dang. I mean, you're getting a premium at the pump already. So then I go to the next gas station. The pumps are on, but no fuel would come out. So I go to the next gas station, 13 miles down the road, praying I don't run out of gas. And I pull up to the pump. I'm like, oh, pumps are on. Praise be to God. I go to put my card in, and the hose was on the ground. Not even connected. <laughs> okay. And then so I mean someone else was having a bad day. They <laughs> put their pump in and they drove off with it and they realized My aunt did I that. I bet you that's what happened. My oh, aunt no. did that. And uh but then so I finally get gas. I finally make it all the way to the studio and then there's a guy sitting in his car ne- right next to me 
I, I pull up and he was already there, just all creepy. And, and he's like, like I've, I've, you, I've been here. I'm the only guy here in the morning. It's about time you got here, Joe. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's me. I'm the new IRS agent. <laughs> exactly. Just hired. I was in a Corolla. Here to track you down. In a Corolla, hanging out in the parking lot. I'm Don't like, say Michael hanging out in a Corolla. <laughs> what is the deal? And then, of course, now we're having all kinds of tech problems. Rumble doesn't want to work. Facebook's doing weird things. Just, and McCarrick doesn't work. It's a national emergency. What uh, What are we called to, mm. to uh, how are we called mm. to react to the situation, mm. Joe? I'm sure I a wonder. saint would probably just offer it up or whatever. Uh, but, you know, like United to the <laughs> cross. Exactly, you know. The hope that it might be resurrected. Yeah, something, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But how do I deal with it is the real question. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, how about we ask, uh, how about we ask a Thomistic expert Allegedly. Uh, Dave Palmer, host of Back to the Fathers, joining us now by Zoom chat. Good morning to you, Dave Palmer. Good morning, Joe. Am I supposed to feel guilty about drinking coffee? Oh, you're just going to drink that beautifully brewed coffee right in front of me, aren't you? You're just going to rub that. Couldn't be better. (laughs) I have to do the cowboy coffee thing. So there's like like half the cup is nothing but coffee grinds, and the rest is uh, a mixture of of water and coffee grinds. So it's it's lovely stuff. My heart heart mourns. (laughs) Yeah, sure it does. (laughs) Yeah. <sighs> My heart mourns. <laughs> Mr. Palmer, can we get your rendition of the Folger song? Yeah, do you know the Folger song? What's the Folger song? The uh, gosh. Come on, you can do it, Dave. You can Prepare do it. me for these kind of questions. No, I, I, don't, I don't think I can help you there this morning. Sorry. Speaking of offering it up real quick before we jump in with Dave Palmer, uh, I want to mention, again, I am going to be sending you the Joan of Arc film this afternoon. It is a fantastic watch about an incredible saint uh, who had to endure the suffering of, uh, of uh, prelates and clergy members and uh, heretics and all the rest. And uh, it's, an, it's a wonderful film. You're really going to enjoy it. I'll put that in your email inbox this afternoon. Make sure you're on our email list to get access to that. Go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt to get signed up today. Just look for the CDT Insider email link when you get there. It takes just a moment. Super easy. grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Dave, did you hear that story about the man buried alive as an offering to the Pachamama demon? No, I missed that one. Yeah, I covered it last hour. It's true. He got drunk. Some might think he got laced in the drink, but he woke up the next day in a coffin underground. And he clawed his way out. It was a Pachimama festival in Bolivia, and he was offered as a human sacrifice. Wow! No, I, that one. No, I didn't catch that part of it. That's, no, a that's cr- I was just going to ask you what. That's bizarre. What do you think yeah. it might be like to be buried underground? I was. I wanted to get your your hot take on that one. Well, you know who's the uh, the, the famous saint uh, who wrote the Imitation of Christ? Um, Thomas Aquinas. Thomas Aquinas. Have you heard the story about him? About why he isn't canonized? No. Okay. Oh yeah. The story goes that he. And I'm sorry, I'm, we're talking about two different things here, but it is related. The story goes that he was accidentally buried alive, <laughs> and then when they, uh, I mean, the guy clearly was holy. He wrote one of the best spiritual books in history, right? Mm. And so, but when they brought his coffin back up, they found scratch marks on the Ooh. top of the coffin. And so it was determined that he must have died in despair, which is a great sin. And yeah. so, therefore, oh, wow. 
He can't canonize him. Otherwise, why would he not be a saint? But would he be culpable for that is the question. Yeah, I know. That's the question. Who wouldn't do that? I mean, you know, you're going to wake up at a coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess my time has come. I mean, I would be freaking out, clawing my way out, but uh, I'm also (laughs) probably not a saint either. So there you (laughs) go. Have you not heard that story? Yeah, yeah, I had heard that story. I think I might have heard that story, but I had forgotten it. Yeah, he was like crying out, and they heard him screaming. In the coffin, yeah. and they open it up, wow. and yeah, that's a crazy story. story. Yeah, I mean that's pretty. That's pretty hardcore when you yeah. fault a guy for that. Yeah, I mean, come on, speaking maybe one or two scratches. Can yeah. I? Can I try to get out? Uh, that's a crazy story. But speaking of crazy stories, uh, there are rumors. Uh, I mean, Twitter is on fire with the Catholic Twitterverse right now, debating on why Thomas uh, Aquinas stopped writing the Summa. Some would say it's because he recognized the superiority of uh, Franciscan uh, theology and ph- philosophy thought. Uh, what say you? <laughs> is that before or after Derek Bonaventure tore up his well, pants? Uh, enough, about, enough about what Adrian thinks, okay? So let's leave that one alone. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I actually, I, I, I'm going to talk about this on our program later on today because it, it really is something that frustrates me, to be honest with you, because, mm-hmm. you know, about 10 years ago, I went and I bought the Summa, and I just got totally hooked at it. I was reading it straight through, and then you get to a certain point, you know, the, the Summa has basically four parts. The second part has two parts, but you get to the, the third part, Tertia Pars, and he's talking finally about Jesus and the Incarnation, and then he transitions into the sacraments, and he does baptism and, uh, you, you know, um, confirmation and the Eucharist. Then he gets into penance, and then right then, there's a side note saying, oh, well, this is where... Thomas Aquinas decided basically he's going to stop writing. He was saying Mass on the Feast of St. Nicholas, uh, which um, would have been December uh, 6th, 6th, I think, of 1273. And he had some kind of a mystical experience, and he said to his uh, scribe, uh, Ronaldo de Paperno, hey, you know, basically everything I've written has been like straw, and so I'm done. And then he ends up dying, I think about three months later, wow. unrelated to that. But I'm thinking, Thomas, that's okay for you for it to be strong, but how about the millions of people <laughs> who want to read this this book that you're writing? And, and I've always thought, I don't want to call him selfish for doing that, mm-hmm. but it's kind of inexplicable. But I have a theory for maybe why God allowed it to happen. So anyways, I'll stop there. Would you, are you suggesting then, Dave Palmer, that if you could somehow, miraculously, through God's grace, stand in front of Thomas Aquinas as he was making this critical decision that you would have smacked him to wake him up from this? <laughs> I might be going a little far, but uh, <laughs> I, I might I might give him a little, you know, what's for verbally. <laughs> That's yeah, right. uh, what do you think you are, some sort of saint? You need so, to get his uh, <laughs> superior to order him so to his, finish it. his scribe, you know, Fra, uh, uh, Ronaldo de Paperno, goes back to his, to Thomas's writings on the full, commentary on the fourth book of the sentences, which was written when Thomas was in his 20s, mm-hmm. and he uses that to finish the Summa. So the Summa was finished, but interestingly, uh, Fra Ronaldo was not familiar with the Summa, because for whatever reason, he was very familiar with the sentences, but according to what it says, you know, the commentary in the Summa, he hadn't really read the other parts of the Summa yet. Of course, it was relatively fresh. So it's, it's it, to me, it's a little mind-boggling why he would... And, you know, make this determination. Granted, he's, he's had some mm-hmm. mystical vision of the Lord. Nothing that he's going to write is going to compare to that. Yeah. But wh- why hang up the cleats? Well, I mean, 
Well, I can still see it, though. I mean, if I were to be, one of my, uh, you know, requests from the Lord is to give me a vision of the actual passion of the Christ. In other words, to be mystically transported to the foot of the cross and to see our Lord being sacrificed. I got this corpus behind me that's all bloodied and wounded. And and uh, I have to imagine, the reason why I ask that is because I have to imagine that if I could stand there and see that, it might finally break through my hard heart. And uh, mm-hmm. and transform me and make me truly sorrowful for the sins that I have gravely committed that offend him. Um, so I could see that if he had some incredible vision, some mystical experience of that magnitude or greater, which is probably true, then it would like how could you just go back to normal living, which would include like even your daily tasks of writing something so monumental as the Summa. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think like that. from his standpoint, I understand. But I, I just would have liked for him to have said, you know what, this is a pretty good book I'm writing. And maybe there will be some people, uh, you know. Someday there will be a guy named Dave Palmer, and he's going to appreciate, appreciate me finishing me. it. You yeah. know, he, he, was, he was about, I'd say, 85, 90% finished. I mean, it was it was almost done. I mean, he's, he, he's, he's close oh, to that's the... that's good he, enough. I, I, maybe you know the answer to this, Dave. I was... Um, I was reading his his shorter summa. So St. Thomas, for those who don't know, wrote a shorter summa at the behest of one of his brothers who was like, man, I really want to read the summa, not going to lie, but uh, it's a little little much. And so uh, can you make a smaller one? So he wrote a shorter summa that goes over the three theological virtues as the way it's organized, faith, hope, and charity. And he died, or he he never finished it because he died uh, before finishing uh, the, I think he ended on the beginning of hope, and he finished it and he died then. So, do you know, did he write this after he stopped writing the Summa, or did he stop writing everything altogether, or was it just a Summa that he stopped writing? Yeah, I'll be honest with you, I was not all that familiar with that, Adrian, so uh, my guess would be if he doesn't finish the Summa, he's not going to start another work, and, you know, he died March 7th of 1274, by my calculations, that was a, about a three-month period. Uh, it was it was it wasn't much, and he was you know coming back from a a council of the church, and the pope had asked him to go to the council. And there's been various stories about him riding a horse and hitting his head, and or you know how he died. Um, but if I may, I'll, I'll, so I'm not sure about that, Adrian. But here's here's my personal opinion: is that I think a lot of people, myself included really getting get into learning about God, reading about God and the proofs <laughs> and the attributes. And, and, and when I get to that point of the Summa, I realize it's not about learning about God. It's coming to know God. And that's exactly what happened to Thomas Aquinas is that he, you know, I'm not saying he didn't know God previously, but a lot of people, I think especially Thomists, I don't know if you'd agree, Adrian, are, are very much into head knowledge. Mm. And by realizing what happened to Thomas at the end of the Summa, where he had this mystical experience, I think it helps us to kind of focus and say, you know what, it's not just about reading about God. This is, you know, we need to get in front of the tabernacle. We need to, we need to desire to know God in a very personal way and not just read about him and study him. And that's, that's kind of what my, that's where I could say, okay, Thomas, I forgive you. <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> no, God no. allowed this to happen for a reason. You know, it makes us think about the big picture of, of our relationship with God. Does that make sense? Real quickly, yeah, we have about a minute left. But uh, to your point, absolutely, I 100% agree. The, that's why the Dominican friars, who are the guardians of Thomism, they have an intense prayer life, and the term theologian 
is often defined as the man who prays because you cannot be a man who knows God unless you have a prayer life, an interior life. So it's, I think you're 100% right, Dave. All right, tune in yeah. to Back to the Father, hosted by Dave Palmer. Why did Thomas quit reading the Summa? He'll tell you this afternoon, 1 o'clock Central, correct, Dave? That's right, Joe, yes. 1 o'clock Central, you can find the links on their Facebook, the GRN Online Facebook page. Uh, I'd like to say YouTube, YouTube struck us down, but uh, you can tune in. Go to grnonline.com and look for our Facebook link. God bless you, Dave Palmer. Coming up after the break, we're going to play the game and give out prizes. Call that number, 877-757-9424. Last chance to win is next. I had a theology professor who told me that Adam and Eve were just myths and that the rest of Genesis was all just legend. Is that what the church teaches? Absolutely not. The church has always taught that Adam and Eve were real people and were the first human beings from whom all other human beings are descended. In 1950, Pope Pius XII in the encyclical Humani Generis states, The faithful cannot embrace the opinion that after Adam there existed on this earth true men who did not take their origin through natural generation from Adam, or that Adam represents a certain number of first parents. In other words, the church teaches that all humanity descended from Adam and Eve. They were real people. Paragraph 38. This encyclical, in fact, clearly points out the first 11 chapters of Genesis do nevertheless pertain to history in a true sense. Again, Adam and Eve are not myths, and the rest of Genesis is not legend. Genesis is history in a true sense. Paragraph 39. Therefore, whatever of the popular narrations have been inserted into the sacred scriptures must in no way be considered on a par with myths or other such things. Can it be stated any clearer than that? The Catechism says, paragraph 375, the church teaches that our first parents, Adam and Eve, no mention of a myth here, paragraph 404, by yielding to the tempter, Adam and Eve committed a personal sin. Someone please tell me how do myths commit personal sins? Adam and Eve's are not myths. Genesis does not contain myth or legend. That is church teaching. Challenge anyone who teaches differently to produce their sources from a magisterial document. They can't do it. They can, however, produce countless books and articles by theologians. Not good enough. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have secrets and agendas. But you're not supposed to tell anybody. But what I need more than just telling you my secrets is a phone call, a contestant on the line. Phone lines are open with your last opportunity to win the prizes, which we're going to be giving out today here in just a few minutes, actually. So call right now if you want to play the game, get your chance to win at 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. Call right now. Phone lines are open. Adrian Fonseca standing by to take your call at 
877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. And uh, the questions, I mean, the first one, I love. I just love this first one. You're going to love it, too, I promise. You're going to learn things about your Catholic faith that you didn't know before. Praise be to God. Then we're going to, uh, you know, have a laugh in the process and have a little chuckle. And our callers, they're a good time. They laugh with us. We enjoy it. And we also give out prizes, which means this is a winner for everybody involved. You literally can't lose. You have a good time. You learn something. And you might win. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. This week, our sponsor was... Oh, my screen just jumped here. It's Conversion Starters. ConversionStarters.com is offering the winner this week a, a mug and a shirt. Mm. Now, if you're wondering, what is Conversion Starters? Well, mm. ConversionStarters.com makes evangelization easy and painless for everyone. Wow. They offer T-shirts, hoodies, mugs that catch people's eye and pique their curiosity by featuring common questions about Catholicism along with a convenient website where they can go and read a brief, easy-to-understand answer to the questions proposed. You can be a billboard for Christ. ConversionStarters.com is evangelization for introverts. Thank you very much for sponsoring our show this week, ConversionStarters.com. Praise be to God, ConversionStarters.com, for your generous gift, allowing us to give cool stuff to our listeners. We love that uh, very much. So, ConversionStarters.com. God bless you. All right, so uh, real quick, here's the kicker, if you're new, for your sake, for your benefit. We have three Catholic trivia questions, but I don't ask the caller the questions. They don't need to know. They might not know a single correct answer, but could still win our game today because instead of asking them, I will ask Rudy, I will ask Adrian. One will give us a correct answer, and the other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller will have 15 seconds to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And then every correct answer will go into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. And we will pull that winner here in just a moment. So that's how the game works. Let's go to the phone lines. Raphael, good morning. Good morning. Praise be to God. How are you? I'm good. Wow, you sound uh, wise. Uh, how old are you? Um, 12. 12. You sound like you're beyond your years, sir. Praise be to God. Uh, Rafael, you are, I guess, from the great city of brotherly love. No, that's Philadelphia. You're from San Antonio. You're from St. Anthony's Town. Uh, where do you go to church, Rafael? Um, Prince of, I go to church at Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. We got a lot of people calling in from Prince of Peace. Praise be to Jesus. Well, are you going to school today? Yeah. Are you you excited about that? Nah. What? <laughs> oh, on. School is fun. You get to learn stuff. It's a great time. What's your favorite subject? Math. Science? Math. Math. I do not share wow. I do not share that belief. He's uh, a brainiac. I, I I could do math, but I didn't love math. Hmm. History is the, the greatest subject. It's God's intention. The history for of mankind. math? No. Definitely not the history of math. Mm, philosophy right. of math. No. Mm. No. Just history. Just played up history. All right, Raphael, before we get too distracted here, Raphael, do you understand how this game works, sir? I've been listening to it almost every time I go to school. Praise be to God. Well, we're going to pray that you have a great day at school today, number one. But I'm going to ask Rudy and Adrian these questions. They're going to give you answers. One will give you a correct answer. The other won't give you a, an incorrect answer. And you're going to have to choose, Rudy or Adrian, and you're only going to have 15 seconds when it's time. Okay. All right. Are you ready? Okay. Yes. Praise be to God, Raphael. We're going to get this done. Good questions here today. And uh, we're going to start with Team Rudy. Good morning to you, Team Rudy. Good morning. 
Wearing that tie today. Oh, yeah. That's like a baller tie. That's like a boss tie hey, right there. Thanks, man. It's uh, that's like a Wall Street tie. Bone-colored paisleys on a field of blue. Man, that's like I got... I, I shopped at Dillard's kind of a tie. <laughs> Look at that thing. The guy shopped at Dillard's. I then thrifted the thing he gave away. So. <laughs> I see how it is. All right. Uh, Team Rudy, are you ready to go, sir? I'm ready. Praise be to God. Let's see if we can get this first question in the bag here. Uh, what famous Catholic... Invented radio. Ah, the guy who invented the radio. His name is Guglielmo Marconi. Marconi. Yeah, Marconi. Interesting. How do you say his first name? Guglielmo. Guglielmo. Guglielmo Marconi. Guglielmo. Is that how you say Guglielmo? Guglielmo. Oh, it's got the Italian flair. Okay. Like Giuseppe. Oh, Giuseppe. All right. Guglielmo Marconi is your answer. Let's see what Adrian says. Adrian, uh, praise be to God, you work in radio. What? You should know this. I do? Uh-huh. No one told me this. I know. No one. What? But what famous Catholic invented the radio? A famous Catholic invented the radio. About what year was the radio invented? That was like what? 18th century? Hey, it was a good day. Yeah. I remember. You remember. You were there. <laughs> the, uh, no, well... The famous Catholic inventor of the radio was actually Mother Angelica. What? Yeah. Mind blown. I know. I know. Wow. She was pretty old. When she she is pretty old. Keeping it between the electric yeah. bill and the she light bill. She died like bill, what, 20 years ago? And the gas bill. Oh, man. All right. So, uh, all right, Raphael, you got choices, sir. Uh, who invented uh, radio? Who invented radio? Was it Mother Angelica or was it Guillermo Marconi? 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Raphael, what say you? I think it, I think it's Guillermo. I can't pronounce it, but that one. Me <laughs> neither. You pronounced the hard part. <laughs> Congratulations, Raphael. You, you got that one done. It is, in fact, Guillermo Marconi. First broadcast was at the Vatican with the Pope. Wishing a blessing upon fishermen at sea. So congratulations. Uh, wow. Yeah, congratulations. We played that once before on we the did. show. We did. Oh, yeah, we did. All right, you're in the cup. You could win. Let's see if we can't double your choice or your chances here, Raphael. Uh, this next question goes to Adrian first. Adrian. That's my name. I am so happy that we've gotten that. Uh, Joe hasn't gotten my name wrong in a little while. Because <laughs> you wear a name tag. It helps right, right here. Uh, what is the devotion called? That was practiced on Good Friday in remembrance of our Lord. What do we call that? Our Lord hung on the cross for three hours, and so we had what was called the three hours devotion. So, like, straightforward. It's pretty straightforward. Like, on the nose. On the nose, No creativity there. On the tippity top. Okay. Uh, Three hours. You're just going to go straight up three hours devotion. All right. Uh, let's see what uh, Rudy has to say. Rudy, good morning to you. Good morning. Uh, what is the devotion call that was practiced on Good Friday in remembrance of our Lord? You know what? I'm just going to say it. You are. You're not a real Catholic no? unless you do the 24-hour fast. The 24-hour fast? Since time immemorial. Like you got to run 24 hours straight. Yeah. Fastly. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. It makes total sense. All right. So your answer is the 24-hour fast? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Raphael, uh, what is this devotion called that was practiced on Good Fridays in remembrance of our Lord? Uh, Rudy says it was the 24-hour fast, whereas Adrian says it was called the three hours devotion for the three hours our Lord hung on the cross. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Raphael, what say you? Um, I think it's the three-hour devotion that Adrian said. <laughs> 
Raphael, truly uh, a smart and I'm brilliant young man. I'm telling you, the way you admitted that Adrian was a brilliant, with, truly young man, with docility, <laughs> with prudence, not trying to like flame his I ego. I bet he's popular at school. Raphael. He has to be. For it to be a man to say whew, Adrian is right, uh, it's I, truly a genius. I'm afraid to bet against you, Raphael. You show masterful play here. Uh, you are correct. It is the three-hour devotion. And you are in the cup twice. We're going to see if we can't triple your chances now with this next question. Back to Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me? Church-sponsored programs for married couples are called what? If you are considering getting married, make sure you find a church that has a good Cana conference. I'm not talking about just your run-of-the-mill, ah, yeah, we'll meet six times and then you'll go off and you'll be married. No, it's very important. You're the cell of society. Cana conferences is the answer. Cana conferences. Did you have to go to one? I did. Okay. But okay. I'll tell you more about it in the after show. Yeah, all right, after show it is. All right, Cana conferences is your answer. Let's see what Adrian says. Adrian. Uh, you are an expert in married couples. I am. I am. You should have the answer here. But I do. Well, let's just see. Church-sponsored programs for married couples are called what, sir? Well, they wanted to make it a, a pun, so they are talking about, you know, all the married people have, wear some nice-looking bling, mm. and so they said this conference is going to be the Suffering <laughs> Conference. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> Sorry. Anyway, focusing. Not uh, that it has anything to do with that. All marriage. right, uh, Raphael, you got choices. When you're young still. You got a lot of time to discern God's will for your life. But when couples are getting married, do they go through a Cana conference, as, as Rudy said, or do they go through a suffering conference, as Adrian seems to think? 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Raphael, on his way to school in San Antonio, what say you, sir? I think the king, the Cana conference that Rudy said. Yeah. Right, Suffering comes after they get married. Yeah, of first course. you get the engagement ring, then the marriage ring, then the suffering. Then the All suffering. right. I have the winner this week. The winner this week is Maria. Maria, Maria. congratulations. Raphael, uh, it was not God's holy will that you should win, but you were a lot of fun. God bless you, Raphael. Call back next time. Have a great day, sir. Enjoy your time at school because the day will come when you're going to have to go to work instead. And you're going to wish you were at school forever. Praise be to God. God bless you, Raphael. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in this week for our conversations. I'll be sending out that email. Make sure you're on the email list. Next week, we got Bishop Strickland on the hook. He's coming up on Tuesday. Monday is a holy day of obligation. And we won't be here. We'll replay some great content. Otherwise, we'll see you in the after show. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas.
Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the memorial of St. Jane Francis de Chantal. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. All people that on earth do dwell Sing to the Lord with cheerful voice him serve with fear his praise forth tell come ye before him and rejoice in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit the lord be with you my brothers and sisters let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, who made St. Jane Francis de Chantal radiant with outstanding merits in different walks of life, Grant us through her intercession that walking faithfully in our vocation, we may constantly be examples of shining light. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, make known to Jerusalem her abominations. Thus says the Lord God to Jerusalem. By origin and birth, you are of the land of Canaan. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. As for your birth, the day you were born, your navel cord was not cut. You were neither washed with water nor anointed, nor were you rubbed with salt, nor swathed in swaddling clothes. No one looked on you with pity or compassion to do any of these things for you. Rather, you were thrown out on the ground as something loathsome the day you were born. Then I passed by and saw you weltering in your blood. I said to you, live in your blood and grow like a plant in the field. You grew and developed. You came to the age of puberty. Your breasts were formed. Your hair had grown, but you were still stark naked. Again I passed by you and saw that you were now old enough for love. So I spread the corner of my cloak over you to cover your nakedness. I swore an oath to you and entered into a covenant with you. You became mine, says the Lord God. Then I bathed you with water, washed away your blood, and anointed you with oil. I clothed you with an embroidered gown, put sandals of fine leather on your feet, I gave you a fine linen sash and silk robes to wear. I adorned you with jewelry, 
I put bracelets on your arms, a necklace about your neck, a ring in your nose, pendants in your ears, and a glorious diadem upon your head. Thus you were adorned with gold and silver. Your garments were of fine linen, silk, and embroidered cloth. Fine flour, honey, and oil were your food. You were exceedingly beautiful with the dignity of a queen. You were renowned among the nations for your beauty, perfect as it was. Because of my splendor which I had bestowed on you, says the Lord God. But you were captivated by your own beauty. You used your renown to make yourself a harlot, and you lavished your harlotry on every passerby whose own you became. Yet I will remember the covenant I made with you when you were a girl, and I will set up an everlasting covenant with you, that you may remember and be covered with confusion, and that you may be utterly silenced for shame when I pardon you for all you have done, says the Lord God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You have turned from your anger. You have, you have turned, turned from, from your anger. anger. God indeed is my Savior. I am confident and unafraid. My strength and my courage is the Lord, and He has been my Savior. With joy you will draw water at the fountain of salvation. You have, you have turned, turned from, from your, your anger. anger. Give thanks to the Lord, acclaim His name. Among the nations make known His deeds. Proclaim how exalted is His name. You, you have, have turned, turned from, from your anger. anger. Sing praise to the Lord for his glorious achievement. Let this be known throughout all the earth. Shout with exaltation, O city of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. You have turned from your anger. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Receive the word of God not as the word of men, but as it truly is the word of God. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. Some Pharisees approached Jesus and tested him, saying, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any cause whatever? He said in reply, Have you not read that from the beginning the Creator made them male and female, and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, man must not separate. They said to him, Then why did Moses command that the man give the woman a bill of divorce to dismiss her? He said to them, Because of the hardness of your hearts, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. I say to you, Whoever divorces his wife, unless the marriage is unlawful, and marries another, commits adultery. His disciples said to him, If that is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. He answered, Not all can accept this word, 
but only those to whom that is the, whom that is granted. Some are incapable of marriage because they were born so. Some because they were made so by others. Some because they have renounced marriage for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Whoever can accept this ought to accept it. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. These two readings together, the one from the book of the prophet Ezekiel and the Gospel of Matthew, and two, the, the saint that we celebrate today, St. Jane Francis de Chantal, really bring together so beautifully uh, and very powerfully the word that we have today. I would also say, I would preface this by saying the Gospel of Matthew continues tomorrow with a very important part. Matthew chapter 19 begins with Jesus speaking about divorce, really speaking about marriage, what marriage is about. And tomorrow uh, he speaks about children. And that's where we in the Catholic Church recognize that marriage has those two goods, the good of the spouses and the good of children. So tomorrow we hear the gospel, people are bringing G, uh, children to Jesus to bless them, and the disciples are like, you know, get, get this away, you know, this is, don't, don't bother the master. And the Lord reminds them, says, no, let the children come to me, it is to such as these the kingdom of heaven belongs. Those two readings really belong together. We separate them because we reflect on the gospel more and more deeply, but these two really belong together because in marriage, the good of the spouses and children belong together. These two things, the goods, the two goods of marriage, so, so important. In a recent study that came out, I don't know if it's a Pew study, but anyway, it's very, uh, they usually come out with these different kinds of studies. But they, they determined, they were asking why people, or, or do people want to have children? And they said the greater majority of people, 60%, 65%, said that they did not want to have children. And the reason, the main reason was, it wasn't economics, it wasn't anything that we would think that would, would apply to why uh, people wouldn't, would not want to have children. The main reason was, they simply don't want them. That's a problem. That's a big problem. <laughs> um, because that is the good of marriage. We know that uh, marriage today is having many, many struggles. And Jesus addresses this right at the core. From the beginning, it was not so. Divorce was not at the beginning. Moses allowed it in the second covenant, in the Deuteron Deuteronomic covenant. I hope I got that word right. <laughs> and that is when, when Israel was, was unfaithful to the original covenant, the Ten Commandments, which was very, very simple, but very, very high standard. You know, God recognized that it needed to be, we could put it this way, dumbed down, <laughs> so that we could strive to really live it. Now, when Christ comes, and the grace of, of Christ comes, and we are united with him, as St. Paul uses that image, as a man marries his wife, the bride, uh, the, the bridegroom marries the bride, the bridegroom being Christ and the bride being the church, St. Paul uses that image of marriage to recognize the covenant, the communion that we have in Christ. And that is reflected in the union of the spouses. This connects so beautifully with the first reading because in that first reading, which is very, very graphic, very bold, is God is saying that Israel from the very beginning was not really wanted. Uh, they were kind of the people that were thrown aside. They became the plaything of every single nation that came through that area. They were right in the middle of, the, of, of everything. And people just used them. 
and then he kind of says that Israel sort of used that to their advantage. <laughs> you know, and they became beautiful and, 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 uh, and people became very attracted to other nations. But through all of this, God was always faithful. No matter how gross their sins became, God was always going to call them home, call them to himself, to wrap that little corner of his cloak around them to say, you belong to me. Really, that's in a way what marriage should reflect. <laughs> Even when there's, 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 because you know, couples, marriage is very difficult when they start to see in each other things that, that, that they don't like, you know, um, blemishes. That's when that faithfulness really comes in. That sometimes is a daily thing, but it often is the different moments, different seasons of that love for one another. That that fidelity has to remain because it is it reflects the fidelity of God. Or as Saint, or as I'm sorry, Pope Francis once said, he said, marriage is important because it shows that we stake our life on one other person, and it's worth it. It's worth it. Saint Jane Frances de Chantal, when she first got married, she kind of married into a a bit of a wealthy family to a baron, but in fact, he had inherited a lot of land along with a lot of debt. <laughs> so she entered in this marriage with a lot of debt. And that's not easy. And, you know, financial problems in marriages is one thing that sort of makes them seem to crumble. But she stayed faithful. She stayed faithful, and, uh, and things began to work out. They were one heart and one soul. They were one flesh together, and she stuck it out. Eventually, her, her husband was killed in a hunting accident, and, uh, and she, she just spent her life trying to form uh, her four children. She had six, but two of them died in infancy, trying to form her four children, and then eventually became a religious and dedicated her life completely, completely to Christ. There's kind of a neat uh, story of her life, which reflects, I think, that first reading and also kind of touches upon the gospel. She would serve soup to homeless people at her home. They would simply come to her door and she would serve them. Well, people would get in line and then they would, get, they would be served their soup and then they'd go around the block and get in line again. And people were asking her, so why do you allow this to happen? These people are coming back over and over again. They're taking advantage of you. And she based her response was, well, if I'm reminded of all the times that I come to Christ with my needs, and if he ever rejected me, the same needs over and over and over. And if he rejected me, how would I feel? She's related it so deeply to Christ. And that's the, that, that's the key. With spouses who are, who are having difficulties, to see Christ in the other, to be faithful. That is the important part. And that is what the Lord said from the beginning. That's what it was so. That his fidelity is reflected in the union of the, of the husband and wife that the two are no longer are no longer two but one flesh let's stand and bring our petitions before our heavenly father we pray for our holy father pope francis for all the needs of the church we pray to the lord lord let us pray for all those who govern us that they may respect the dignity of marriage and the dignity of life from conception to natural death dignity of children, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Let us pray for vocations to the priesthood, religious life, and to holy uh, marriages, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Mindful in the Gospel Day, those marriages that are struggling, we offer, we place them on the altar today, that the Lord would help them to heal, to 
help to forgive any grievances that they have against one another, to help them to grow in holiness. We pray to the Lord. We pray that couples would be open to life, that they would want and desire children as the result of the love and the covenant that they have shared, that they share with one another in marriage. We pray to the Lord. Remember those who have died for all the holy souls in purgatory, that they may rest in peace. And for the intentions of those who are joining us online through Guadalupe Radio, and for those enrolled in our Salt Mass Association, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, hear our prayers. Grant our petitions according to your holy will, through Christ our Lord. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands, who become for us the bread of life. Bless you, God, forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you, fruit of the vine, and work of human hands, become our spiritual drink. Bless you, God, forever. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and for the all of his holy church. Most merciful God, whom we're pleased to create in Blessed Jane Francis de Chantal, the new man in your image, the old having passed away, graciously grant, we, we pray, that renewed like her, we may offer the acceptable con- sacrifice of conciliation through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. Lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. For in the saints who have consecrated themselves to Christ for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, it is right to celebrate the wonders of your providence by which you call human nature back to its original holiness and bring it to experience on this earth the gifts of the, you promise in the new world to come. And so with all the angels and saints we praise you as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Abahold, Plenis Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you.
a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church. Graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. I offer you the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tollis peccata mundi, Dona nobis pacem. Behold. 
the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. The Lord is my portion. He is good to the soul that seeks him. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you are already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Let us pray. By the power of this sacrament, Lord, we pray, lead us always in your love through the example of Blessed James Francis de Chantal and bring to fulfillment the good work you have begun in us until the day of Christ Jesus, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. The Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks be to God. Salve Regina, Mater Misericordiae, Vita Dulcedo, Et Spes Nostra Salve, A Te Clamamus, Exules Filii Hebe, A Te Suspiramus, Gementes et lentes, in hoc lacrimarum vale. Ea ergo, arvocata nostra, ilos tuos, misericordes oculos, ad nos converte. Et Jesum, Benedictum brutum ventris tui, nobis post hoc exilium, 
Host Ende, O Clemens, O Pia, O Duchis, Virgo Maria. Hi, this is Salisha from the Catholic Charismatic Center, and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston. God bless you and your family.